Yo, Driven Minds Season 2. Yes, sir. It's your host, Franz Bowen. It's your co-host, Trav Weeks. And uh, first of all, we'd like to welcome ourselves back with a little round of applause. Absolutely. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I'm saying? But that Absolutely. round of applause is really for y'all. Um, you know, we've had, we've been off for a little bit and, you know, just uh, checking the vibes, uh, meeting some new people to speak to in front of you guys. And um, you guys have been holding us down. Indeed. With some listens or some listens, rather in the interim. So we'd like to thank you for your listenership and you know continuing to tell people about uh, this movement that we got going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Matter of fact, since we talking, we talk about you know shout out you know Revolt and the people came over there for the word. Definitely you know, being shout a feature, out to Cam. Feature um, on new voices. We appreciate that. Um, everybody that you know that just came up to us and uh, said they you know they uh, appreciate the podcast. We um. We appreciate y'all. You know what I mean. This is actually gonna be a um, a special episode today. Yo, absolutely. Because you guys, we bringing y'all into like you know um a little bit deeper into what we do as far as Gym Society. Gym Society is we're really at heart a collective of innovators, curators, um, music enthusiasts, uh, just thought leaders. And um, with us today, we got my good brother, um, head of event production. You know, we call him JB Early, you know, but I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Peace, peace, peace. Appreciate you guys having me on. Word, I sat in on a couple of these and uh, it's an honor, man. You guys have a lot of interesting people and like y'all were mentioning, in between seasons, definitely just going back and listening to a lot of them. Definitely went back and listened to a couple of the ones that we had for our panelists for the event, but we'll get into that later, so. Absolutely. Appreciate Absolutely. It. Yeah, so to connect us, um, we have an event series that we produce um, through German Society called Connect Us, and um, this is something um, something really dope, something informative, something where people can come together, network, share ideas, um, just build with really like-minded, creative individual who individuals who want to build their businesses from the from scratch, who wants to learn how to find funding, um, learn how to brand themselves, learn how to put their product out to the market. And, um, you know, we get to do these series every other month. And um, recently, we did it with Microsoft. Um, shout out to the people over there at Microsoft. Yes, yeah, they held this and, down. Um, indeed, with our, um, our sponsor, event partner, Switch It, which is a great app, a great um, app, which is like a digital business card. You guys should definitely check that out. And uh, recently, we got to do a really dope panel. I'll let JB talk a little bit more about uh, what that was. Yeah, man, we were over at Microsoft, and it was just like, an amazing experience they have a floor upstairs where it was, it's for those type of events and we were able to have a panel series with a bunch of people in the finance world uh grady spivey the third um abron maldonado from new school which is a tech platform um erica minahan she is uh the co-founder of a platform called 1000 angels that is serves services investors and venture capitalists with startups that's very selective and john henry which is one of the podcasts that i went back and listened to yeah um did my googles really got to know more about him and we were able to just talk and have an open discussion about all the steps in finance uh, that was my bad i probably supposed to chime in there jb is actually one of the hosts of uh connect us um he did a a fantastic job you know keeping everybody engaged and um, you know, getting the the gold nuggets out of uh, you know all the wisdom that was being poured forth. Yeah, it was it was an amazing opportunity because there was just like 
quality people and it's not every day that I'm able to sit with people who you know have access to literal capital mm, resources like that like they we were talking M's yeah um, and I was able to go and and I introduced myself to them those that I didn't know pr- prior to that and said like I, I'm representing DS in its entirety with everything that DS stands for we know just driven individuals who want to get this information so I wasn't bashful or embarrassed to say like there's some things that you guys are going to talk about that I don't know but th- that's why we're here exactly. I'm the person in the audience who doesn't know what VC is or what a seed round is and all these terms and like they were so just willing and eager to talk to us which was the most amazing thing like they were all so passionate to the point where I kind of had to interrupt a little and be like okay okay like let's move to the next question because yeah. they really knew that that would that that connect us served as a platform I mean Grady Absolutely. like can we just Grady thank you so much his son was born the day oh, before yeah. Wow. Yeah. and he was observing his faith so he was fasting and he still was looked us each in the eye and said man this is important for me to do this is important that you guys are doing this to give mm-hmm. these resources to other people so he pulled up yeah, and he man. stayed until the end and took as many questions as possible so it's like if people like that are willing to go an extra step you know, we had to come correct, and it, and it was just like a, a really dope opportunity. And you know, we can actually never fail to mention um, um, our event partner who we started this with, who we came together with, is Blue. You know, um, the Blue team, Absolutely. Blue organization, Blue Life sure. Media Group, ran by Devon Johnson. They run a culture lifestyle magazine um, for men of color, and it's uh, um, they're just super dope. And they've, you know, they've. Um, we're one of the thought leaders in having this event series, and and Devon has been on every every panel and contributing the most he can and and giving people information and resources. So and it was fun to to be on that panel with him in that way because, like I was saying, where I'm coming from, you know, where we're still out here looking to start businesses and go through the motions and and trial by file fire and learn from others. He's got some traction and he's been through a lot of those things. So we were able to have that interesting back and forth of like, okay, from someone who's just starting out or to someone who's been been through it, but still seeing that he had questions and he was eager to learn, too. So it was real dope. And everyone from the blue team definitely stepped up because it was at a different space from where we normally have it. Mm -hmm. And it came together really, really well, like all across the board. Yo, absolutely. I, I was, you know, sitting in the audience as well and just taking copious notes um and it's cool because the the individuals that did come out and we want to thank you guys for coming out and supporting and you know all the feedback that we have been getting um that people have been finding it super useful um it's it's just uh uh, wonderful to be in that energy always yeah Um, pen and pads were out man there was more than one moment where i'm like trying to take look at my questions and stay on task but also yeah. like damn i really want to write down that nugget that like they That's just said and i look up and people are like writing stuff i got down caught and, doing the same shit I'm and it was dope sure it was, it was so tight what do you say i put on my phone drop that yeah. note in, continue making exactly. sure this shit is cool you know for yeah. sure so you're yeah, tell us more about them um, so we actually we have the um we have the vocals the, yeah the connectors vocals is it <laughs> 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 JB, did you Friday like yo? Connect us, focus <laughs> in. Yeah, man. They Assad. Are, <laughs> yeah, man. They are actually in, and um, you know, without further ado, I'd like to uh, not delay it no further. Mm-hmm. Um, connect us, featuring. Connect us, featuring. JB, JB Early. 
and Devon Johnson and we have Abron Maldonado from New School Tech Platform. We have Grady Spivey III, CEO of Full Surface Management. He's into the nonprofit world. There's a lot executive. of music executive, music legend in the game, to be honest. Uh, Erica Minahan, she is the co-founder of 1000 Angels, which is an investing platform for early startups. Mm -hmm. And John Henry, who is a venture capitalist, entrepreneur, entrepreneur podcast, podcaster, does yeah. you know, a man of many things. So Absolutely. Definitely, definitely check it out. Tune in. Like we said, get pen and pad ready. Or you could always just listen to it once and listen to it again for those other nuggets that you missed the first time around. Exactly. And when you're out with friends, you know, you can feel free to drop in, uh, share those because nobody uh, wants to be stingy with all the gold nuggets of wisdom. And yeah, drop your comments so you can go actually uh, go to jibbasai.com and um, uh, send, subscribe to our email list and drop, uh, drop your comments and your reviews on um, the iTunes Podcasts, uh, yep, and check app. us out on um, Driven Minds Podcast on Instagram, Driven Society on Instagram. And um, without further ado, here's Connect Us. Give yourselves a round of applause for showing up today. Everybody looking great. So, I just want to tell you guys about what Connect Us is about. Um, collaborative, we came together with Driven Society and Blue Life Media, Blue Magazine. We came together to provide tools and resources for people who want to know about business, people who want to learn how to brand their business, people who want to know how to network, connect with people. So we started with how to define your brand. Secondly, we talked about how to build your team. Now this, we're going to talk about how to get funds, how to raise funding, creative ways on financing your dreams. So secondly, we would like, um, first of all, we would then like to speak to, after this, we'd like to speak to some people who, like, who have ideas, who want to pitch their ideas to some of the investors on the panel. And next, we're gonna have our moderators come on and, and talk to and introduce the panels and let them speak about who they are. So firstly, we have Devon Johnson, founder of Blue Life Media. Hey guys. He's already here. <laughs> and we have our head of production, JB James Barrero. So if there's any future entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, anybody who has ideas, businesses, and you want to learn how to get funding, please feel to email us. Um, we're gonna connect you with the panelists, and uh, thank you guys again for coming. Appreciate it. Yes, 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 I appreciate that. Can everybody hear me good? I sound good in the back. Stripes, I'm good? Um, like Travis said, uh, thank you for coming to connect us. We really are excited about uh -huh. this series and we're really trying to empower everyone One, here, two. particularly people of color, to have access to more resources and information, such as Travis touched on building brands and learning things about finances and gaining check, capital. Check. So today in particular, we're gonna talk about creative ways to um, raise funds. Um, and I'm gonna just introduce a couple of the panelists and then Devon will introduce the other panelists. Sitting to my right is Abron Maldonado. He's founder of New School, which is a learning and entertainment platform. And I'll let him talk a little bit more about that as well with all the other panelists they could give um, in detail about exactly what they do. And sitting next to him is Grady Spivey. He's the CEO and founder of um, oh, Full Service Management. We just check it out on my access. Oh, yeah, my bad. Full Service Management. Uh, he's done a lot in the game entertainment, but he works in the nonprofit sector now. I'll let him touch a little bit more on that. And All right, to my left, we have, we have John Henry right here. He's gonna tell you what he does. I'm not gonna give it away because there's a lot of stuff. 
And we have Erica to his left, who I just met this evening and can't wait to learn and hear more about what you do. So we're gonna let you guys go down, go down the list and just say what you do. One or two, three or four, sure. five or six sentences. What's up guys? My name is John Henry. Fucking stoked to be here. Uh, there is nothing I enjoy more than being in a room full of young, aspiring minds that come from the same place that I come from uh, and want to build and make an impact. So uh, thank you guys for coming. Uh, I, I'm an entrepreneur. Company. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur uh, and investor. I started my first company six years ago. I dropped out of college to run it. I come from a very poor immigrant family from Dominican Republic. I dropped out of college my first semester, had no formal business experience, was working as a doorman, making 14 bucks an hour, um, and was exposed to a business opportunity from one of the residents. I took him up on it, I said, yo, I don't really know what I'm doing. He said, homie, all you gotta have is heart. And um, what it was, was an on it was a dry cleaning service. So I started by going to your house, knocking on your door, convincing you to give me your clothes. I would pick that shit up, take it all the way down the A-line from Harlem, across to Bushwick, lugging it way more than me, and, and bringing it to my to that resident that had a dry cleaner. He would clean it, I would bring it back and charge you, and I would make the spread. So that's how it started. We would end up doing all the uh, dry cleaning and laundry for big film and TV productions. So have you ever seen- Being modest. Have you ever seen- <laughs> Being like, modest, he was heavy in the game. He oh, touched it on a market that was- Thank you. Underserved, so uh, so we we've done like Warwalk Empire, Law and Order, Wolf of Wall Street, Person of Interest, um, and anyway, to just um, so we were fortunate with that company, and we had an exit. And since then, I've been working with early stage entrepreneurs to one capacity or another. I have an incubator in Harlem uh, called Co-Found Harlem, uh, and I also am an investor uh, through a firm called Harlem Capital Partners. We invest uh, in founders of all backgrounds, but specifically we reserve 50% of our capital for minorities and for women-founded uh, companies. We've made six investments, and by the way, like, I invest my own cash alongside with my partners. So like, this is not like no fucking gimmicks. Like, we put up cash, we evaluate deals, and if we like you we, you, know, we invest. Probably our most notable investment is a company called Blavity, if you guys have ever heard of them. Um, we've also invested in some hemp, invested in music, we invested in retail, we bought a dental practice, we own a coffee shop, so like, we do all kinds of stuff. So I'm just excited to be here, um, and now I'll hand it off to my fellow panelists. Thank you. So hi everybody, my name is Eric Dagnan Minahan, and uh, really excited to be here tonight and talk to you guys. Um, I'm trying to see if this works. It's working fine, right? Okay. Sounds better. Um, so uh, my background is early stage investing. Um, I've been doing season series A stage investing for the last 11 years. Um, have invested in hundreds of companies. Um, kind of have a few different roles. Uh, I got started in venture capital in 2006 after spending eight years in investment banking uh, doing public market finance. Um, so I uh, did my MBA in finance at Columbia Business School and you know worked in banking for many, many years, but really felt like uh, on the public market side, I wasn't really contributing to society in the way that I thought I could be most impactful. So got into venture in 2006 and ever since then, 
I've totally loved what I do. Um, you know, love working with startups, um, specifically focus on the finance aspect of it. So a lot of what I can help people with is understanding capital strategy. So how much money to raise for your business and when. Um, in terms of what I do day to day, uh, I have a lot of different roles, it's kind of crazy, but um, one of my main roles is as managing partner and co-founder of 1000 Angels, which is a digital venture investment network. Uh, we're a community of uh, several hundred accredited investors that um, are investing in, at the seed and series A stage in, uh, early, in mostly technology companies. Uh, I'm also managing partner of Co-Founders Lab Accelerator, which is a really fun six-week online accelerator program. If anyone's interested in working more closely with me, you can participate in that program. Um, and I'm also uh, co-founder and managing partner at Rain Ventures, which is a seed stage fund formerly known as Fortuna Ventures, uh, where we invest at seed and series A and also follow on at series B. Um, but, you know, as uh, Harlem Capital Partners as well, we also have a commitment that at least 50% of our founders are minorities and at least 50% of our founders are women. So I think that that's um, a theme that you're going to see a lot more investors uh, focusing on, hopefully, over the next couple of years. So nice to meet you guys. Thank you. Hi, hello everybody. My name is Grady Spivey Third. I am a social entrepreneur, entertainment consultant management. So um, first and foremost, I'd like to say thank you all for being here. And I want to give, want you all to give yourselves a round of applause because, you know, the fact that you're taking your time out of your day, which I think is something we're probably going to get into, um, time is the most important currency you have. And you only know what you know until you learn something else, right? So we only knew what we knew, but um, fast forward, uh, about 500 million records sold. I became one of the youngest uh, vice president uh, executives over at Sony and uh, had an A&R position. And then we ventured off and did uh, multiple deals with, um, on a branded marketing perspective from Reebok to Monster Electronics to um, Audemars Piguet and I mean you name it luxury brand and lifestyle brand and we we have relationships with everyone from Bacardi and uh, Gentleman Jack Spirits so we have a very diversified uh, relationship with different brands and now um, you can't just be about what you make and what you do and hustle and what you get in your pocket we met uh, my friend married his wife Alicia Keys she had a big social uh, venture known as Keep a Child Alive, when she still does. So uh, that was a big influence on us. And so we diversified and started getting more into social impact and started learning more into how can you do good, but also you can, you can receive, but you can do good as well, right? And it has to be that, you know, it has to be that cycle of giving, because great getters are great givers, should be great givers. So uh, sit on a board of the New York Public Health and Hospitals, in an advisory capacity, which is the largest municipal healthcare system in the United States, if not the world. And we help them with all of their social impact initiatives and uh, a lot of the seed projects that I'm working on. I help with a lot of gap funding and I help raise capital. I have a great rapport with uh, a lot of finance guys because a lot of people have great ideas, great vision, 
but they don't know how to get it started, don't know how to get it properly structured, funded, et cetera. So, you know, I work with everyone from, um, from Gold, I have partners over at Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, uh, UBS, uh, Tiger Global, not too far, right around here. And uh, we deal with sovereign, sovereign uh, funds as well, uh, internationally. So, um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Nothing not, not too special. I want you to keep the round of applause going because before I get into my story, my brother right here just had a baby this week. Uh, he's being real humble about it. And took the time to still come out here and share his story with you guys. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, I still have the ban on. I literally just left the hospital to come here. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your school. Sure, sure. Abron Maldonado is pronounced Abron like LeBron without the L. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Too soon? Too soon? Too soon. Everyone calls me A for short. Um, very similar to Grady. Started in the music business. Um, in a music. Started at Hot 97, got into music publishing, got into artist management. And uh, during that time, I also became a Gates Scholar. Uh, which is the Gates Millennium Scholars Program funded by the Gates Foundation. So essentially that meant I had a full ride for life. So that was bachelor's, master's, PhD. Um, so working by day with rappers and R&B singers and managing producers and songwriters and by night doing my master's at TC at Columbia in education. So that transitioned me into doing a lot of public speaking and workshops and professional development on entertainment for the education community and that led into a PhD at NYU, studying culturally responsive pedagogy, um, hip hop education, um, opening up the door for a lot of hip hop folks to come into the university space and serve as like scholars in residence, artists in residence, even teach some classes. Ninth Wonder uh, taught a sampling of history class. Um, uh, Carlos Mayer 139, who's one of the original graffiti artists that was in Star Wars, uh, is a famous, um, curator and artist that's also uh, presented at Gallatin as a professor at NYU. Um, so that opened up some doors for me um, from a public speaking and professional development in a thought leader space in the education world. And then I realized a lot of teachers, a lot of people wanted this content, this hip hop education, this culturally relevant education uh, to scale. And around that time is when ed tech as an industry started to come together so I participated in a couple of tech accelerators to develop a platform where we could push this kind of movement um, online, and that was the beginning of New School. Um, so since then, I've been, you know, operating as the, you know, chief officer of New School. Um, the day to day of that, still wrapping up my dissertation with NYU. Um, still, wow. seven, uh, Kudos. seven years. To follow your path. Eight years is the limit. I'm about to hit the limit. Amazing. Um, I have three kids. Twins, two-year-old twins and a 13-year-old, and um, working on another venture now uh, that we'll get into a little bit with Grady here, uh, who's a personal friend, and uh, we're joining forces on, on a couple of things. Nice. So that's amazing. Put your hands together for that. All right, guys. Wow. So you, you don't really sleep, I would assume. Don't sleep much. No. Okay. Well, I mean, while I don't think no one here does. Honestly. Yeah. While we're talking to you, Abron, um could you talk to me more about how your how New School and how it's a platform, but your business is a knowledge-based business, and how sure. you translated something that's a little abstract um, into a platform and into something that you presented as a sustainable, scalable business? 
So it was a challenge. The first time I pitched New School was to an accelerator meetup um, to ERA, which is here in the city. And the first words that came out of the investor's mouth was, you should be a nonprofit, like right off the bat. And they had no respect for it as an actual venture. And I had to challenge myself with that and really think about, so I come from the, my background, I grew up in the LES from community activists. Uh, my mother worked in the nonprofit sector for 30 plus years. And I was always the kid running around like youth centers, community centers, Henry Street, Andrew Glover, Boys Club. And, um, you know, the family business is the nonprofit sector. And I was like, we're broke. So <laughs> I want to stay, I don't want to stay in the nonprofit sector. There, there's ways to do a social venture, to scale revenue, to earn and earn income, but also do good. You know, it's similar to what Grady said. And, you know, my mission was on that. But I had to learn business models. So that is where Tech Accelerators really helps help you flesh out business models that really work for your company, look at other models that you want to emulate and see if their business models apply to yours. And at the end of the day, you know, you take the content out of what we're actually producing and just apply the business model and it very, it's very similar to other companies that are out there in that space. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, actually, it ties into something I wanted to ask you, Erica. Abron touched on models in particular. With 1000 Angels, I know it's very selective. Um, is there any models in particular, any business models for any specific industries that seem to work or seem to help get investors interested in it? Because it could be uh, knowledge-based or a little abstract, but that model really shows that it could be a scalable, investable business. So that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I have to say that, I mean, I completely understand your story and you know I've been friends with Marat forever and their whole team like since the beginning I've invested in so many ERA companies and this is such a good example because just because something's not right for a specific tech accelerator or a specific investor doesn't mean that it still can't be an awesome successful business and the thing is you know we have uh, certain things that we're looking for that make our portfolio work and so not everything is going to be a fit um, Particularly if you guys are creatives, you know, for those of you that are creatives and you're creating content, I mean, it's just, it's not sort of the standard, you know, venture capital investment to sort of take risks with this type of thing or to take a bet on, you know, investing in a school. Um, so those things are a little bit outside of the standard box. Um, everything is really, I think, uh, case by case. So when you say, are there specific models, you know, that we love, what, what we're looking for generally, or the easiest way, way to raise capital is if you're, you know, you've got some new technology, there's intellectual property, you know, you have an ability to charge for it. There are some barriers, you know, from new, en from new entrants coming into the market and heavily competing with you. Um, ideally, you're going to have digital distribution channels. And why do we look for all these things? Well, it's because we're just looking for any business where it's not highly priced competitive. You don't need a lot of hopefully human or capital inputs, right? It's capital efficient. Um, and that it's highly scalable without you needing to raise, you know, billions of dollars down the road that are going to dilute early investors. So those are really the ideal things that we're looking for. But I think that as a founder, you know, as long as you're able to tell a compelling story as to exactly why your business is special or necessary or new. Like, keep pitching it to people and keep listening to feedback, right? Like, you need to be able to very concisely explain why the market needs this. And, you know, what the, the number one thing that I tend to see a lot of people doing is um, to 
come up with ideas that have already been executed um, by businesses that fail, right? And so what we call kind of like the dead pool. And you know, you'll you'll see people who are jumping into very competitive, very crowded markets without much of a differentiation for their particular business. Um, but they're just so committed to the idea, the idea. Just remember that you know, in your business, it's not about you and it's not about your awesome idea 99% of the time. And Abron will probably tell you this even with the school. You know, he had an idea for a great school, but it's really about his customer, right? You're, you're creating something because that's what your customer wants. It's not because this is something that is personally gonna fulfill you, right? It's that you're creating something that people need, that people will be devastated if they couldn't have it, and that you're fulfilling a real need in the market that nobody else is filling. Wow, may, may I just build on that briefly? Uh, guys, you can walk into an investor meeting with a paper bag over your head and do a fucking dance, and the moment you say traction, everyone perks up. Like, let that sink in. You're like, so many people are looking for capital that are nowhere near ready to look for capital. Like, you don't go to an investor to validate your idea. You go to them with a business that's small. Like, it's, it could be in a small scale. We're not looking, like, that's why we're early stage. We're looking for someone that I can sit across the table from you and have you tell me with a reasonable confidence, hey, look, I don't have much, but here's where I've started, and I've been able to do this with virtually resources I've been able to I want you to be vulnerable with me but don't act like you got to figure it out just like be vulnerable be transparent because transparency leads trust I started thinking okay I can trust this person so come to the table with humility transparency let me know where you started and what you're looking capital for to take it to the next level and I don't know about you guys but I'm a college dropout I didn't like when I was growing my business I didn't know about product market fit distribution channels like all this shit that we hear about like all this technical terms that comes secondary. That comes secondary. And like your customers are your number one investor. So focus first on making sure that what you're building is worthwhile and you'll know because you can, you can, you'll see the market responding. You'll see the market responding to your product. People will buy in, people will talk about it. And when that begins to happen, that's when I think you're ready to start having that discussion. So I just want to continue on that, John. So you know, a lot of times when it comes to funding and in small business, people think of startups all the time. So, you know, you may have, you know, a parent or a student or someone that's working on something, it's a really good idea. And they have some customers, but it's not a huge scale because they haven't applied it to make it, to make it much bigger. Um, but they may feel a little intimidated about going for money because they're not a Google, they're not a Tumblr, they're not a Blavity, they don't have that scale. But they do have customers, they have knowledge, and they have long-term in this business, and they're ready now to make it their full-time thing. Um, what do you say to those people who you know think they can't be considered you know for investor or investment from a, a VC because they're not a new company? I would say it's not even a big deal. In fact, like VC, like the thing about VC right now is that because it gets so much coverage on Fast Company, on TechCrunch, on Business Insider, and there's so much focus on the rare overnight cases. Like I remember running my business and seeing like. Founders raise $15 million in six months and like all this hype and me like just doubting myself. Like, damn, could that, could that be me? Like, could it be you, ladies? I would just would be filled with self-doubt. Like, damn, like, is this for me? I'm not sure. Um, and, and anyway, venture capital, like because of the nature of the style of investing, we're looking for companies that can do 50 to 100 million revenues in five years. 
Like we're looking for a company that can have that potential pathway. But guess what? Like if you grow a five million dollar business, you know, in five years, and your payout at take home at the end of the day is two hundred fifty grand, and you're putting that in your pocket, and like you're sustaining your livelihood that way, like that's perfectly viable. Like I, I don't think we need as many venture backed uh, businesses in our communities as as we think. Uh, I'm sure some people will, will uh, beg to differ here, but. Um, I just think that there should be a focus on just building businesses as a whole. So like a, an agency, a creative agency, is not meant to have venture capital. You know, like a legal firm. I mean, you're, you're right in theory, but in practice, I just want to advise everybody that, you know, there's a difference between what really happens and, you know, kind of what we would want in an ideal world. So, you know, the issue, right, is that as an investor, when you make an investment on day one, you're hoping that within five years that company can get to, you know, whatever is considered scalable, right? So they can be acquired for somewhere like 50 to you know 100 million plus, right? So that's sort of what we're going for. So the issue is that if you've already been doing this for like four years and you haven't really gotten anywhere, that's what the investor's gonna think. Well, you know, you've been working on this for four years, like why hasn't it gone anywhere? So it's perfectly fine because business is dynamic that it might take you a little while, but certainly you always, if you're, if you're kind of really still at zero, just sort of position yourself, you know, don't focus on the fact that you've been doing this for a long time or focus on maybe what you're doing now that's different and, and why it's new and why you can get that, you know, hopefully hockey stick growth. Um, Erica, you touched on some important points in, in, that, in that rebuttal and, and what you mentioned before where it's, it's important to, to value the intellectual property. That can be key, but if it's presented as something scalable and like John said, it doesn't have to necessarily require capital to make it something that's valuable. Right. But there is a point where that structure becomes important to show that with capital, it can become something else. And Grady, I wanted to ask you, where is there any um, relation in the nonprofit sector where this value that's intrinsic or that's um, moral value or, or impacts that are in community that may not necessarily be tangible just yet, how is it um, with that difficulty seeking funds or investments or raising funds for nonprofits like that? Well, I think, yeah, to answer your question, there is a, a, a huge disparity with raising capital for nonprofits uh, because there's, there's a lot of regulations there as well. But, um, I mean, it totally correlates with uh, what, this, what John and Erica touched on as far as, like, it, it, it's all symbiotic in a sense. It's the same, um, same methodology. So you would still go about it the same way as far as, you know, get out there, do the work, you know. Um, I love what John said as far as, um, you know, that you have to kind of like, it's not about, oh, how much money you need in order to do this or do that. No, you have to start here, come from here. Hey. The technical stuff, I'm gonna be honest, the technical stuff is very important. It's very pivotal, but I like to go with, I met with a guy, I forgot his name, is Steven, he, owned a bank, literally. Um, and he told us, uh, said, we were pitching him something. One of my partners was actually pitching him. Because I went off the Russell Simmons uh, model. If you're not the smartest person, you should, if you're, in this, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? So you should always keep people within your circumference that are like highly intelligent, that have skill sets, way faster than yourselves, right? So, so we're doing ego, good right now. Yeah, we're doing good right now. If buddy. ego kicks in, right, and 
you're like, oh, well, I want to be, I'm the CEO, I'm the founder, I'm the owner, and you're the smartest person in, within your group, you might be in a very shaky place. You should have people, advisors, counsel that could guide you in the right direction. So going back to my story, I went to, we were with this guy, owned a bank right off Fifth Avenue actually, and my, my guy who's smarter than me is pitching him. And he's you know, breaking down every, you know, every KPI, every, you know, he's breaking down everything, you know, key points of interest. And then he says, um, he says, okay, after five minutes, he said, look, K-I-S-S, all right? I like acronyms because you can remember them. And he said, KISS? I'm thinking to myself, KISS? I'm like, oh, this is getting real weird, right? And then he says, no, keep it simple, stupid. He said, if, if you can't pitch me in five minutes and I don't understand what you're pitching me, you need to go back and think it through, you know? Attention spans, which now what, are shorter than goldfish at right. this point from what I've heard studies have proven, right? So we have to understand what we're dealing with. And when you're talking about, I mean, they could probably elaborate better, but when you're pitching in front of um, PE guys, private equity, VCs, venture capital, you know, uh, sovereign, these people have, their bandwidth is this. You literally only have but that five minutes or, two or 10 minutes. That's why I love what he's saying is because they usually invest in the person. They see something in you that they're like, wow, this person believes in what they're saying. But then you have to also have the pragmatic stuff behind it to back it up. But they believe in you, just like you can look at someone and in five seconds, sometimes you might feel they could be trying to sell you something like, I'm not too sure about this, right? Like, this seems a little shady. You feel it the same way. They, they know, you know the saying, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And that's the truth of it. So if you believe in yourself, what you're doing, even in a nonprofit space, it's the same principle. You know, a great idea is a great idea. You know, when you hear it, you go, damn it, why didn't I think of that, right? Like, a great idea is a great idea. But then the execution of that great idea about is what it. makes the difference. Just belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, no. You, you know, yeah. No, just belief doesn't get it done. You have to have amazing execution. And you have to be, excuse my language here, but you have to be a killer. I mean, uh, an animal. I'm not talking about, you know, to the point where you're obnoxious and rude, but you have to be the hardest worker in the world. You have to truly believe again. what you're doing on that level where the execution is flawless. I mean, we went days and nights in the studio, meetings back to back, you know, pitching products, brand ideas to, to corporations. They tell us that's not it. You know what, you think we waited three, four, five months, six months to come back, we left with our heads sulking? No. Clive Davis would say, that's not a hit record. Come back to me with a hit. No, we came back to him with a hit record. And he had to tell us again and again, and the persistency, the consistency, the effort, they could tell in your learning, not only just coming back and being redundant, doing the same thing. You have to show growth. You have to show scale. Make it a relationship, build relationships. And one, one, of, my, um, one of my guys who works at Tiger told me, at Tiger Global, he said, Grady, 
if you ask for money, he'll give you advice. If you ask for advice, he'll more than likely give you money. So, I don't yeah. know about that. Yeah. Well, I know about asking for money to get advice. You got investors on the channel. They're skeptical. It leads to giving you receiving capital, right? Because not exactly, not exactly like if you ask, here's the advice. But, you know, if you say, hey, here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I believe in. What can I do better? Versus, as he was saying, I already got it. I already know what I'm doing trying to be the con artist, trying to be a, a, a bullshitter. They, these guys, people on that level, they see it in five seconds. They know you don't know what you're doing. They can tell because they've been there. But if you're transparent and say, hey, here's where I'm at, here's what we're missing, they give you advice, now they become some sort of uh, attachment, a relationship. You come back again, they give you more advice. So that's just like, you know, my personal experiences and what have worked for me <laughs> more so, but uh, yeah, we're all, and that's another thing, we're all gonna, everyone up here has their own approach on what they've done and what's led to their success. So we're not the end all be all up here. I definitely don't wanna come as I'm talking to you from a pedestal and talking at you, I'm talking with you, you know? There might be things that you know that I could actually learn from, from you all in this room. So just want you to understand that, that what worked for us might not work directly for you, but it's for you to take it and give you more of a guidance that you can use for what you're doing. Um, just to say, you know, Thank we've you. talked about VC and we're talking about millions in scale and five, five million, 10 million. What about that first round? So who do you go to for money on day one when you, you have an idea? Yourself, your family, so kind of go down the line, no real order, but give them advice where you can find funding that may not be VC funding, but there's a piggy bank somewhere. Let me just jump in because I feel so fucking strongly about this because as I've been investing, I ran an $8 million fund for one of the biggest real estate families here in the city. Uh, and through that experience, like, I started noticing, like, yo, the bulk of entrepreneurs are actually upper middle class kids who come from privileged backgrounds whose mom can say, yo, here's a here's 100 grand. Go try this idea. If you succeed, great, we have an entrepreneur in the family. If you fail, no problem, I know someone like Goldman, I'll get you a job. Yep. <laughs> like, that, like, I actually was seeing that day in and day out. And so like, I get, you know, and then, and then when, so that's, that would be called the friends and family around, right? But like, one of my favorite MCs is Nas, right? And he says, my father wasn't a banker, neither was my neighbor when it came to getting paper, who the hell was gonna train us? Right, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't have no rich uncle, mom, pops. Like, I'm still to this day the safety net for my parents, not the other way around. So we just come from a different reality. And so what does that, what does that create? So that creates a community right here in this room of untapped potential. Imagine what would occur if all of us had that safety net and that access to capital with pretty little friction. And by the way, along with that comes this like, incredible sense of confidence that you can do anything because that's the kind of environment that you grow up around, but that's just not our realities. And so to answer your question, where do you go when you're broke, your mom is broke, your family is broke, everyone around you is broke, that's your whole environment, you're trying to start this business, you're looking at the media, homie raised 15 mil, homie raised 10 mil, like, like I went to BMCC, like I dropped out of you know, BMCC, it wasn't no Harvard, it wasn't no nothing, right? So where do you go when that, when that happens? And, and like, 
that's a good that's a good question. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Because like we've learned we've you know persevered. So can they go to you? What? What? <laughs> so can they go to you? A you come right here. That's like and, and but, Erica, but he may like, say no because you said no to me and, to one of my pitches two years ago. I, I, I did. I know. I've been for a long time. Right? Like, Absolutely. This guy. I, we're still friends. It's all good. But he's like, mm, no, we're not going to do this one. I'm like, all right. Erica, That's like, so much love for you. But what, what I'm saying is like, well, yeah, I, I think there's just to move along. Sorry. You, to you don't go like you, the answer is like, you don't need as nearly as, as much advice as you think you do. Have you ever, how many of you guys have like ever asked for advice on something that you knew the exact answer to, right? Like, have you ever like, have you ever gone to someone with something like, with a question like, yo, which logo should I pick? And you already know which fucking logo you like better, but you're just like looking for validation. So those are the moments, those are the moments that you're, you're cultivating, you're nurturing your capacity to make decisions, to be intuitive. That's what makes entrepreneur, ever, everyone's figuring out as they go along. So why can't we be the same? Right? And so for someone like myself, who certainly has a long way to go, but I've had some experiences with some early stage companies, and now I'm in a position to be able to invest, I want to invest in you guys. I'm going to say no to the majority of you, but I still, and, and that's just because like, that, is what you're saying. Well, shoot, that, shoot your shot with, with the community it, that you have. What I'm saying is like, what I'm saying is I worked with a billionaire Jewish family, and yo, one dollar that goes into a Jewish family gets circulated 20 times before it leaves that community. Yet, we spend our money, a dollar goes to the Arab bodega owner, you know, it goes to the dry clean, it goes to everyone but us. So if we're gonna invest, why would I not wanna invest in you guys? Like, we gotta be investing in each other, helping each other grow. Homie's got a media magazine. Like, why are we buying, you know, well, ink? Let's buy here. blue. Like, everybody that's what this whole event is about. Yeah, right? yeah, Let's come. support each other. We become each other's com uh, customers, champions, emergents, and, and investors, and everything. As you can see, I get fired up about this. Um, so, like, that's my answer to that question. Like, we don't got to go anywhere outside of this room. It's all right here. Brian, I think you have something else to add. Yeah. Um, I just want to piggyback off of that because I actually have an answer because I've gone through that my life myself. And um, it's made me more passionate about diversity in tech. And uh, we'll talk about that later. But I've been in meetings where an investor told me, you've skipped your friends and family round. And I was like, there is no friends and family round. <laughs> unless I'm borrowing money from a drug dealer that I have to pay back at some point down the line, which I don't want to do. So there is no friends and family around. Um, so because I've had to face that, I've had to figure out what those alternative means are before you go to John and Erica and waste your time over there. So there are, what's unique about, I, I'm in the ed tech space. I'm, that's my vertical. And what's unique about ed tech is that your company can um, be eligible for federal funds, foundation funding, and venture, and angel, and seed funding. Um, I've done a three-minute pitch. I know you know uh, Nasir with Vilcap. So Village Capital is a very unique um, fund that supports um, minority investors. They had a pitch competition. I won a pitch competition for $10,000. That got me through the summer for my team. That money went straight into my team. You know what I mean? Like It was a three-minute pitch, and I won $10,000. So. Pitch competitions can range anywhere from $5,000 to $50,000. Um, accelerators can range anywhere from $25,000 to $150,000, $175,000. Um, federal grants, so me and a friend of mine applied for this grant. It's a STTR and SBIR, it's a federal fund, federal funding grant. Um, the first phase, there's two phases. Phase one is $225,000. Phase two is seven fifty. dollars um, 
you come up with an idea that falls into one of their categories, you write up the proposal around 20 or so pages, you get $225,000 and they mentor you through the management, the managing of those finances. Um, and they mentor you as you commercialize to make sure that you can commercialize and sustain on your own. Uh, there's RFPs out there, there's grants as it gates. Request for proposals. Yeah, request for Thank proposals. The Gates Foundation, Kapoor Capital and the Kapoor Foundation and other uh, foundations like that, they give money to for-profit companies so you don't always have to be a nonprofit social venture to get money from them. If you're doing something that applies to a social cause and you are for-profit, you can still be eligible uh, for that money. Blue Ridge gives up around uh, 50000 for their project. So there's money, there's money out there. You know, you do 25 here, you do 50 there, you do 75 there, and before you know it, that's your seed run. It almost makes me think of like when you're transitioning from high school to college make it very personal for me and there are people telling you there are scholarships go look for them go apply for them make yourself you know there, there are resources out there for you so I, I appreciate that that perspective and that's a way that it's definitely made it relatable for me um, and I'm also thinking Erica for someone let's say they've gone through this round where they've they've tried to tap all these other different communities whether it's friends and family or grants or scholarships or accelerator programs and they're ready for some real venture capital for some long-term investments and they go to 1000 angels could you tell us how the process works for them, just so our audience can at least understand when they step into that realm, when they're playing with, let's say, the big boys and girls, what they, because I know 1,000 Angels is very selective, so what would you say is the process that, that uh, a business has to go through to get considered, or what are some things they should keep in mind when they go to a platform like 1,000 Angels? Yeah, so um, for 1,000 Angels, we operate a little bit differently there because it's, um, just the nature of the digital platform, we only follow on, you know, sort of rounds that are already full. So like if you were raising a million dollars and you've already closed on like 600,000, you're trying to get the other 400,000, then we'd be able to help you on 1,000 angels. Um, so we'll maybe talk a little bit more from the perspective of Rain Ventures, where we start with companies at the seed stage, we'll give you a check for $250,000, and then follow on, you know, with a million, two million in your A and B rounds. Um, I think that the most important thing to be very aware of, and I clearly cannot, you know, do this whole little spiel. I mean, this is literally what I do, like, day after day after day is explaining this stuff to founders. It takes weeks to really understand it. It's just to remember that it's really hard to raise money. It is supposed to be really hard to raise money. If even one of you in here is aptly qualified to start an amazing billion-dollar company that I should invest in, I would have been like, that was really great odds, right? Like I have to go to things like this all the time and talk with hundreds of people to find that one person who can actually start a company that can potentially be worth hundreds of millions of dollars or more. So just remember that, you know, the bar is really high for a reason and very few people actually get a check. So when you're a venture capitalist, you're gonna talk to several hundred founders before you write that first $250,000 check. And then out of those, you know, say 20 companies that you gave a $250,000 check to, not all of them are gonna make it to the next round, you know, and so on and so forth. So just remember that, you know, it's highly competitive for a reason. It's not supposed to be something that is super accessible to everybody and you really have to hustle. Um, so, so, you know, I think that in terms of the process, just expect it to be hard, expect it to be lengthy. Um, you know, one of my uh, portfolio companies had mentioned something like there's, there's basically some sort of a rule of thumb 
that for every $500,000 you need to raise, you're probably going to need to take meetings with at least 100 investors. So be wow. ready for that. Long-term so, commitment. One more question. Uh, not one more, but one, one question is, how, how soon should someone take money if you do go for you know, a round of funding and VCs are interested? And how much do you give away? And I said it because when I started my company, we got a quarter million dollars. And Congratulations. Wait, thanks, but not really because I gave up a huge chunk wow. of equity. Thirty percent. That's no. Your first round is supposed to be your most expensive, so I think that's okay. This is this is this this is in two thousand and four, two thousand two thousand five. So the world was different then, you know. So and I've been afraid to go for more money since then because I gave up so much. So we've kept very modest. So I would say now in this environment, I would never recommend somebody take that much of a chunk of their business equity out. Um, So what advice do you give people that? maybe green to even raising money and not to get taken advantage of by investors. I think you should talk to somebody who has a lot of experience. I'm happy to talk to any founder at any time about their capital strategy because it's the fastest way to screw up the future of your business. And you know, I will volunteer. I have been doing this nothing but this day in, day out for 11 years. So you know, just talk to somebody who has a lot of experience investing. And you want to probably talk to somebody who is an investor at the stage that you're at, but also talk to a few founders who have raised money and have that experience so you can learn from them. You know, right off the bat, we would know, you know, selling a third of your company for $250,000 is like way off market. You know, you probably should have been able to get a valuation of, you know, eight to 10 Yeah, and the reason why I bring this up because it's something that, you know, we just take a scale back. We started this platform called Connect Us to give that knowledge, right? So I don't come from an environment where I had a bunch of entrepreneurs around me. So I said, oh, quarter million, great. I'm signing right here. You know, just like a contract for a rapper or anyone else that sees money that big for the first time and you, and you sign it away. So part of this platform is to create an environment where you have knowledge. And it doesn't mean you're going to walk away today with a million dollars from these guys, but you're going to walk away with some information, some contacts, some resources to make better informed decisions, which is why you know, I wanted this, pro- this program to start so yeah. bad. Um, so people want to make that same. If I may, uh, would you raise your hand if you uh, if you're aspiring, if you want to start a company, but you have not yet started? Raise your hand for me. Okay, raise your hand for me if you started a company, you've been working on it for a year or less. Okay, how many of you have like pure technology companies, just like not literally software? You're talking. Okay, you see. So, how many of you guys are service services? You see, this is what I'm saying. Like, we don't need to go for billion-dollar companies. Like, there are so many businesses, so many seeds of ideas here that have the potential to be modest, sustainable, growing, healthy companies that we can all support. Back to your question, there is such a thing as too soon. There is such a thing as too soon. In fact, I think one of the most common pitfalls I see early-stage founders make is like going out to talk to investors so they so they can build relationships. No, like, guys, listen, guys, when you go out and you speak to an investor, like, the first impression counts so much. So what I think you guys should do, what I would encourage you to do is find a select, very select group of people that you can feel comfortable sounding stupid in front of. Like, someone that you can say, yo, look, like, I can't ask this in the general public because that would diminish my credibility. But just between me and you, like, yo, what's a convertible note? Like, how much should I be raising? Like, and so that, this is what this community becomes. But when you can find one or two people within your network, 
I think Erica volunteered to do that, and I'm happy to do the same. Like, when you can have that, and you build your knowledge to the point where then when you go to raid to the actual capital markets, there is no building a relationship. I mean, sometimes there is, but as a whole, you want to be ready when you hit the capital markets. And like, the other day I had a call with the founder, and, and you know, he was doing co-living. I've invested in a co-living company. So I said, yo, so what's up with the multiple dwellings law? How are you going to deal? Pop, 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 pop. And he was like, um, uh, honestly, like I haven't even thought through that. Boom! Im immediately, like, ruined your fucking first impression. Not now, but like, but he's a brother, so I'm like, okay, cool, dude, here's what you gotta do. Boom, 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 and I laid out the roadmap. But like, we cannot be wasting our first impression. So there is certainly a thing as going too soon. Find someone close to you who you can feel comfortable exploring aloud in front of, uh, and then you go out and you hit the markets. Um, Abron and, and maybe Grady, you guys can answer this in like the nonprofit or education world, um, particularly Abron. How have you found mixing tech and tech opportunities with your business um, has leveraged your chances to raise capital or raise interest in getting um, some venture capital or some seed capital? Well, for particularly for New School, New School is a tech company, so it is not offline. It is fully online. It's a, a subscription model, um, and it, it's an online platform. So we went the traditional route of other ed tech companies that have similar models. Um, and we were able to speak the angel language, the VC language, and, and meet the milestones, or at least know what milestones they want us to meet before we get the next check, you know, and before, you know, to, to keep us on their radar. So we weren't, we weren't wasting their time. And, and also, don't underestimate, just to piggyback on what John was saying, don't underestimate the power of Google and just reading a lot of research before you enter a room because there's a lot of questions that you could answer on your own um, by doing that. Um, but me and Grady are in a unique situation right now because the next project that we're doing is what they call brick and mortar or you know physical space related. Um, and investors don't like touching that, you know. So we do have to explore other ways to love those business offset the risk. Well, we need to talk about this. <laughs> Most investors are like, yeah, I'm not touching brick and mortar. Um, but if they do touch it, they want you to de-risk the parts of it that they don't want to touch. So they don't want they don't want to touch overhead. They don't want to touch, you know, the the build out. So are there federal grants that could pay for the build out? Are there foundations that can pay for the build out? And what Grady was talking about with like building those relationships, what's worked for us is you have an idea, you convince somebody that has more resources than you that your idea will benefit them as much as it will benefit you. My idea, because everyone's in it, I mean, no bullshit, everyone's in it for their own self-interest. So you have to convince them that your project is going to serve their best interests. So they're like, all right, then that means I'm going to allocate my resources into their project, because I don't know how to do it, but I want to ride the wave when Abe and Grady do it. You know, so if you have a solution for someone that doesn't have the time or the resources to do it themselves, then just tell them to jump on board and that's like the strategic partnership. They're either giving you funding, they're giving you resources, they're giving you space, they're giving you connections, they're giving you something to join you on that mission if it's not just a straight up venture round. Awesome, thank you, appreciate that. Uh, we're gonna open the floor up to any people who have questions, so I'll hand go up first. So if you could just speak loudly, stand up, say who your question is for, if it's for someone in particular, and um, go ahead.
start bootstrap the app and then come to you and show you how much do I have on the app? Why do you need an app? Probably after you have your MVP built, um, so a very basic, basic version of whatever we, it is. Do we all know what MVP means? No. Minimum viable, viable product. product. It's even when you say the words, it doesn't really give you. It's still very techy and jargonist. But it's what I was saying is it's the most basic version of what you can get into your hands of your customer to get feedback. Um, so there's a couple things that uh, I think can help you get to the stage where somebody, a stranger, is going to give you a check. Uh, so one of the most important things is that you can establish product market fit, right? So product market fit doesn't mean that you have a ton of customers. And the biggest mistake that startups make is that they're more focused on growth than on product market fit. So what product market fit means is that basically somewhere between 50 and 70% of your customers would be like really sad if your product disappeared tomorrow. And for most people who are founders, most of their customers could not freaking care less if their product disappeared tomorrow. So if you're busy out there trying to acquire customers before people really give a shit about your product, you're just throwing money into a leaky bucket. So that's number one. Number two is like engagement, right? So having a highly engaged off, uh, audience. If you can say, oh my God, we launched this app you know, last month and since then, uh, our users are logging in, you know, three times a week and, and each writing, you know, uh, four paragraphs of reviews and creating this much content. You know, that's the sort of what we call traction that gets investors excited. So frequency of use, engagement, high product market fit, you establish your product market fit by just, you know, sending out these surveys that just shows like, hey, how likely are you to recommend this to somebody, you know, zero to nine, and then you can sort of calculate that stuff. So once you have those things, I think you'll be in a good position to maybe get a seed check done. Just want to jump in real quick. I, I think um, a lot of times founders have a tendency to think that they need an app. And more often than not, you actually don't. And the rare few, because the app, people get caught up in the platform. Oh, I'm building a platform. A platform. But like the platform, the app, is just a vehicle to express what you're actually delivering. And so, to your point with the app, right? Like so, so then the next step is you want to build an app. If you don't have in-house tech, you got to go to a dev shop. The good dev shops cost two hundred fifty thousand plus. You're not going there. Then you put the word out. You find a friend who's going to build it for twenty thousand. You say, okay, cool. I'm going to raise capital. All I need is twenty thousand to build the app. But here's what happens. Okay, An MVP. Remember, I'm simple. Minimum viable product. Bullshit. What it actually is is this question: What is the fastest, cheapest way to prove that this works? What is the fastest, cheapest way I see some to prove <laughs> that this works? Look up okay. design sprints. So, so by the way, if that means that you all you have is a mailing list and a WordPress site, like, like if what you're solving is important enough to that person, they will go through the friction and the pain of a mailing list and a website to get what you're offering. Make it if very they're clear not, and, and if, if they're not, don't you fall into the mistake of thinking that, oh, okay, the app is what's gonna, is gonna be what fixes it. That's a lie, okay? So what's the fast, so with a mailing list, if people are buying your experience or your service or whatever, if they're buying it and your fucking UI sucks and your user interface, if your mail, like if everything about your, the way that your product looks is clunky and it's garbage and people are still buying, that is a great sign. 
That is product market fit. And actually, you don't get product market fit until Series A, so you can forget about that. But, but that is at least enough of a kernel to know that you're on the right track. Okay. So please, like, keep things very simple. Try to deploy, keep it simple, stupid, right? So like, try to deploy as soon as humanly possible with as little resources as possible. And if you get some interest, then you continue going. But if not, then you can pivot. Right. And that's the whole name of the game. She, she's definitely taking a lot of notes. And um, we're trying to get as many questions I just as wanted possible. to add on one thing since she did say entertainment. Um, and so far, young lady, what's your name again? Nidea. Nidea, beautiful name. So what research have you done in your space? Not to cut you off, but the question here is, have you seen other products similar like this in the market space? No, None. Have you spoken with anyone, for example, Hulu, Netflix, um, all of the other uh, streaming apps, uh, anyone that you could think of in that wheelhouse? Yeah. Well, not like that, but would be the closest to where you could have connectivity to what you're doing so that, okay, again, work smarter, not harder, right? So I, I, I hate to say it to you guys, but nobody knows what's hot until it's hot, right? Like, let's use the perfect example. Sometimes in their world, it doesn't necessarily work, but for the most part, even going to their world, it works. It's a word called metrics, right? So there's a reason why if Kim Kardashian touches almost anything, it sells. And well, Oprah Winfrey too. We can go. We can or go. Oprah. Yeah, yeah. Oprah. But, 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 no, home. no. I like to go. <laughs> but you know what? Okay, in this room we can say Oprah, but let's just say on a broader scale. You know, when we go, when you're thinking like Kim Kardashian, the Kardashian brand itself, right? When it goes to their table, sometimes they're like, who cares it's a Kardashian? But the CEO, the board, is saying, do it tonight because it's the Kardashians. And then the metrics somewhat make sense. The numbers make sense to a certain extent where they're like, oh, well, it does uh, impressions, a billion followers, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't wait. So sometimes that brand affiliation is what I'm saying. If you have a conversation with Netflix, put that logo up is going on the website. If you have a strategic partnership with Hulu, just say, hey, Hulu, I don't even need your money. Just, you know. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I'm going to do the work, Hulu, but I believe, again, killer instinct in my product so much what I'm doing that I guarantee you this will be a reciprocal relationship for Hulu. I don't even need your money. Just, you have data. You have, look at what I'm doing. Let me have access. I'm in the field. I'm already, you're doing work, right? You're already in the field. You're aggregating information in Facebook. They're paying people to do that. You're like, I'm doing it for free. I'll share some of that information. 
So, and again, like, and that's what John was saying when he said it's not just about building relationships, but talking smart, talking educated, doing research on a very basic level. And then the things that you don't know have people that do know. So, for example, I was uh, in discussions on the tech space. Abe, Abron, and myself were in talks on a, on a tech venture. And I had so much viable resources on the exterior in my network that could bring forth our tech venture to life. I said, I don't know how to do that. What he does, you know, this is the guy, NYU, seven year dissertation. Like, you know what? He could come in and, 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 and properly streamline it, truncate it, you know, and present it the way it needs to be presented. So that's also what I'm saying, affiliation, relationships. Erica's willing to offer, but there are more people than besides the people on this panel who are willing, who want to, as John said. You know, the fact is minorities, not just minorities, just people, great ideas, period. That's, where, that's the space we're in. But definitely there's an affinity to minorities, but there are people who are willing to support each and every one of you in here. That's it's not as here. dismal as you think. Word. You just have to want to do it and put the, put the effort first yourself. Um, we, like I said, we want to get in as many questions as possible. I want to make sure everyone knows that we could take questions on Twitter. So if you follow us at Connect This Series, we'll try to pick a couple of the best questions and shoot it out to the panel. I know they're very pressed for time, and we're very grateful for everyone's time. So maybe you guys can get your questions answered I got on time our social platform. I got time. Um, I so I think the one, one question over here. Wants to I gotta get back to a baby in like uh, yeah, a half an hour. Yeah, three kids or so. that need dinner, so can't exactly be here all night. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Joel McGill, um, you had mentioned um, you had a business that was information-based that you, uh, they told you to make it a nonprofit, but you went ahead and you went into a social venture um, instead. If your business is based off of you want to provide uh, information and quality content to a certain community, is it best to go with a social venture first, or are there more funds available as a nonprofit first? and then transition over into a, a social venture? Um, so there's a couple ways to do this. You could, you could do a B Corp. So a B Corp lets you take philanthropic funding and also earn a profit, limited on both sides. Um, there's another version of that called the L3C or LC3. Um, look up both. Um, there are fiscal sponsorships and fiscal partnerships where you as a for-profit partner with a nonprofit, right? So they become your fiscal sponsor or your fiscal administrator. You raise nonprofit funds through them. They take like 20% of the nonprofit funding that you get and then give it to you. Uh, so long as you're in partnership together for a, a, a mission. If, if you're considering that model, is it better to take an A where they are the legal uh, entity for you or is it better to maintain control if the material that All this is you. This is all your stuff. They're not touching any of the IP. They, if anything, they're managing the funds that they have to, that are going through their nonprofit because they're use, you're using their 501c3 to, to have those funds trickle down to you. Um, but you also got to think about like the mission. Like he said, like does your thing have to be for profit, right? Is it mission first, right? Are you trying to exit this at some point, right? As a, as an entrepreneur, as a serial entrepreneur, you can't be married to your venture. You know, you'll, you'll get it going or it'll fail within five to seven years and then you gotta keep it moving. 
And I, from being from the hood, what's different is that when you're an entrepreneur in the hood, or if you're a social impact venture um, from the hood, what your mission is, that's who you are for life. Like, plain and simple. Like, I know people, their, their mission, I still know them 10, 15 years later, and that's what we know them as on the block. You know, they're, oh, they were committed to, you know, kitchens, and they were committed to mentoring and youth services. But when you're a serial entrepreneur, you raise a company, it does something for you, it doesn't, or it does, and you put it down and move on to the next company. That's why you're a serial entrepreneur. They don't get attached to things. So are you attached to the mission that you want to see this mission long-term for 10, 15 years? It's more of a mission, mission first thing, and then... Then I would consider nonprofit. I would consider maybe going full, full force nonprofit. You could still, you know, raise millions of uh, Khan Academy. Nonprofit. They raised $50 million as a nonprofit. Everyone here is making six figures. You can live good with a nonprofit. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're good. You don't have to, you know, bootstrap and be a grassroots, you know, unless you feel like that's where you are in the community, but you can still grow and be sustainable as a nonprofit. Okay. Awesome. We'll do one more audience question and then, sure, take one. Okay. Uh, this gentleman over here in the nice seat. Check this uh, out. My name is uh, Keenan Weaver. I'm a comedian here in New York City in Aaliyah, New York. Um, my question is for anyone on the panel. Um, we understand that I think DC for minorities is really being underfunded, and particularly I think black women headed companies are like the least funded. Uh, you spoke about like pitch contests and maybe crowdfunding. What are some sources where you can get those information for applying to grants? And then the second part is uh, once you have that source, are there sources to help you apply for the grants that you're filling out and to help you with those pitches and, and win the contest? Quick plug here. We have a Harlem Capital Partners. If you guys go to harlem.capital, harlem.capital, we have what we call a diversity portal. So precisely to your point, we set out, uh, before we build anything, we try to find something that already exists. And we try to find kind of a, a database of all the diverse entrepreneurs that we can find and all the diverse investors that we can find. Um, because this, this whole hero's tale that it's really hard to raise capital, yeah, it is right now, but it shouldn't be. That's a market inefficiency there's plenty of capital that exists and it wants to be paired to your idea. The tough part is that you got to navigate all these strange loopholes and make connections and coffees and kissing ass to get the money that you need. Um, and so anyway, we set out to, to solve that. So if you guys go on the diversity portal and you just drop in your information, we're putting out reports uh, once a quarter to share this information with you. And that's, we're sharing investors who are looking for your types of companies and also, um, and also taking in your ideas. Um, but so that's that's my contribution to that question. I don't think it's an exact answer, but we're certainly taking a crack at it. I, I think um, it's not because of my PhD research background. You, you really gotta spend all day in rabbit holes on Google. Do your Googles. Like you write, all, you write 100 different keyword combinations of what you're trying to do and put the word grants or funding at the end of it and you'll be surprised what comes up. And you'll end up going down this road where you'll find an opportunity. Nine times out of 10, you've missed a deadline the first year, right? And now you're just getting to know about that event, that process, and you're lining up, getting ready for when the deadline comes up the following year so that you're prepped and ready to get in there or you know people who've done it and sit down with them, ask them the process. Um, but there's, like you said, there's resources out there, there's people to meet out there. Uh, you got to be in it to win it, but there's there's a lot of stuff you could, a lot of legwork you could do from home, believe it or not. And there, there's one other category of funding that we haven't really talked about today, and that's angel investors. 
Um, and so angel investors are just wealthy individuals who like the idea of funding startups. And a lot of them make very irrational decisions. So there's certainly like a good chance That's that they reassuring. might just, you know, decide that they really like you and they really want to see you succeed and they're willing to kind of serve that friends and family role. So it's worth exploring. If you, if you connect with people via the traditional angel groups, they're going to be a little bit more regimented in their approach and rest, less personal. But I would do some research, you know, find out who are super angels who have invested in companies in your space before or are like really excited about that. And they're basically just really rich people who can give you that first check for like twenty five or fifty thousand dollars. So it's and they're, and they're called angels because it's like they're supposed to come in and sort of save you and be nice. So, you know, don't it's not that glamorous. <laughs> yeah. So don't, you know, expect that it's going to happen. Um, but that's, you know, that's also an avenue how a lot of people who don't have wealthy friends and family get their first couple checks in. I'm not rich, but I am an angel. Five, 10K here and there. I see companies all the time is what I do. So again, please hit me up, John at Harlem.capital. Yeah. John at Don't Harlem. be afraid Capital. to reach out or no. Hit me With up that? on the gram, John Henry style. Hit me up everywhere. <laughs> Just so we have some takeaways, um, based on what the panelists are saying. One is you gotta believe in yourself, believe in your idea. Um, you have to do the research, right? Do the hard work, right. do your, your Google searches, Go to the library, find your grants. Um, look to your neighbors or your community for funding resources. Um, be prepared. Um, don't waste angel or investors' time. When you go to someone with money, you go wanting money from them. So it's not for the conversation, it's for the chat. So I think those are some takeaways you can take away from this. Let me just rattle off some quick documents that you should have. Sorry guys, I'm so passionate about this. One, um, when you're actually ready to go and raise capital, the first document you'll be asked for is called the executive summary. That is just a one-page overview of the business. This is what will advance you to the next stage. When, if you email me, I'll say, all right, cool, bro. What's the exact sum? Boom, it's got the overview, the traction, the prospects, da, da, da. Once that's good, guys, do not waste your time working on a 60-page business plan. People don't read them anymore. Send over a 10-slide, 10, 10 to 15-slide pitch deck. That, that is, is essentially your entire business in one little document, and there is there's templates for this. It's like overview, competition, blah, 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 blah. Do the hard work. What's nice. the next document? Make it. Definitely executive Boom. summary. So exec sum and pitch deck, and you should have some financials. But just those two, I think, because I like to keep it simple, uh, please have it. All right. I definitely want to take this time to announce and present more our sponsor, Switch It app. It's a multi-dimensional business card app. So right now, we have a couple of minutes left for everyone to network and try to get in a word with um, our panelists. I know their time is very short, and we appreciate all of them for being here with us. Please download the app. It's free. You can create a profile for yourself that has your any images, graphics, your website, your phone number, your email, all your social media. You put in the person's phone number. It goes to them as a text. Now you guys have all of your social media and all your contact information through the app. We're really happy to partner with Switcher. We're very thankful for them to coming on board as a sponsor. Also very thankful for Microsoft for allowing us to be here. So if you guys could put your hands together, show some love to Microsoft for letting us be in this space. Of course, Blue Life Magazine and Blue Life Media for being a partner with Driven Society and all the team on Driven Society. We're very thankful for it. And if you have any more questions, go on all our social media platforms on Instagram, shoot us a DM with questions specifically to LeBron, Grady, Erica, John. On Twitter, shoot us the question. We'll try and see if we could email them. They might answer a question. It might be a question that could lead to a conversation. Like a lot of them said, be confident in it. Take that chance. Um, there are resources here. We're resources for you guys. So we're just going to open the room up to everyone. We want to thank everyone again. Um, and 
Shout out to Driven Society, Trav, Nat, the whole squad. Yeah, so I hope everybody enjoyed all of those uh, nuggets of wisdom. Um, yep. <laughs> the energy was hot, man. Believe me, it was it was still a trip to be in the Microsoft store, yeah. in a position of power, you know, because they say he who asks the most questions controls the conversation. So, to, so to be able to have resources like those ladies and gentlemen there and uh, have them be willing was, was a very memorable moment Indeed. absolutely great vibe yo. so real Everybody quick learned. you know before you guys get out of here um you know we want to tell you about a couple of initiatives that we have at driven society on um, some events that we'd love you guys to be a part of as well um so you just heard connect us um next up we also have the reserve yeah so by the time you guys hear this the reserve will probably be um done but um the reserve is a creative marketplaces for small businesses brands products services um what we like to do is curate a lot of millennial-based businesses and bring them together so we can support one another, you know, where we can actually support yes. each other, not only with, um, with social currency, but you also, also can make that purchase right there and buy a product with somebody who's grinding, who's, who, who's just like you, you know what I mean, from your community and um, trying to build a business and a brand. So And connect reserve. those brands together, too, you know what I mean? Exactly. A lot of the times mutual friends know about mutual brands but they haven't made that cross-pollination yet so it's it's amazing to see a lot of these brands go off and do collaboration just because they met at the reserve so exactly. it's a platform for the brands and the customers mm-hmm. so yeah um the next one just sign up on um on our website and um make sure you um are getting our newsletter subscribe to ds and we will let you know when the next one will will be um It'll probably be in a month or so, but um, if you do subscribe to us, you will have uh, first dibs on being a part of it. Right. And then also we have um, this August Look 2. Sweet. Um, seeing Sounds. It's a art show curated by myself and JB Early. Sweet. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, I'm excited about this one. Yeah. It's, it's been a little while. You know, we went on hiatus. We're coming back with um, some ill visuals, coming back with... Uh, renewed energy and um, it's a fantastic vibe uh, as the weeks go on I will tell you more you will be seeing flyers uh, coming out but I just want to let you guys know that it will be on August 19th um, look to seeing sound and I said it these two guys are the illest ha. art curators this side of Nebraska Trying. you heard it from Trav himself you're Trying. no play. Word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying um, um, but you, and also for those that have been asking, because they, they've been asking. <laughs> and the colors and the flavors is in. Um, oh, man. That Driven Society merchandise is on deck, you all. Yes. Um, we're going to be launching on our store very soon. Um, it is going to be early July, so you won't have to ask um, too much longer. may even be uh, late June. But we want to surprise you guys. We will send out an email newsletter. So, our, you know, our membership, our, our, um, our fellowship. Our, our community has first dibs to the DS merchandise and uh, DS uh, clothing. Um, it's going to be really exciting stuff, really smooth type of wear. It's more of like an athleisure brand, but I want this brand to uh, inspire you guys. You know what I'm saying? I want when you put on that Stay Driven hat, you put on that, that Driven fit. You know what I mean? It just puts something in the back of your mind like, yo, I got to go hard today. You know what I mean? I got to go out and... Uh, and um, and be the best I possibly can today. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just um, all my goals that I have, like nothing's too big today. Nothing, nothing's too major. We shooting for the stars. And uh, that's the mindset we try to live by. Even when we fall short, 
that's the mindset we really try to live by and uh you know while we cultivate this thing here in new york city absolutely all caps all facts so definitely like comment and subscribe tell a friend and um we're gonna see you guys next week stay Peace. driven stay driven